Hello and welcome to This Ripe Fruit. My name is Phoebus and this podcast series aims to look at what it means to be sexual by exploring the experiences and insights of people who either directly work in the sex industry or whose work is closely linked to sex. I'm a psychotherapist and currently carrying out a doctorate on the meaning of sexuality and my aim in this series is to create an open and non-judgmental space where we can all listen and learn from people who deal with sex and the sexual professionally. With me today is Miss Kim Robb, who is a professional dominatrix, a BDSM educator and a fetish club promoter. In this episode, we discuss the nature of domination and what her clients get out of submitting to her, the different styles of female dominatrices, and what is sexy about fetishes and kink for her. But first, I asked her if she could describe some of the services that she lists on her website, first of them being body bags. Body bags, yes. I've got a couple of different body bags, actually. One is rubber, and I suppose what it looks like would be um, a body bag for a dead person. Except, you, no, you have your head out, so you're zipped into it um, with your head out, and it's got little pouches in the side that you put your arms inside, so you can't actually move your arms once you're inside it. And there are strategically placed holes, one on each nipple and one in the genital region. <laughs> so that allows you to keep your um, client in full bondage whilst being able to get to the bits that matter. So uh, the nipples are out and the penis is out? Yes. And the, and the anus balls too. And the balls? Yeah. Um, no, there's no zip at the back. Okay. No. And um, what's CBT? Cock and ball torture. Okay. And yeah. what does that entail? Uh, was there any kind of light manipulation to heavy pain on the cock and the balls? And w- what would you use? Would you use your hands or? You first of all, the handiest thing is your hands. Mm-hmm. So you know they're used for lots and lots of things, from slapping to pinching to scratching, all of those types of things, from light scratching to heavy blood drawing scratching. Wow. Yeah. So you know, cock and ball torture. You know, the the name is a little tiny bit mis, bit misleading. I prefer to call it cock and ball play, because or manipulation, um, because you can go along a quite a big spectrum, from light touching, which can be exquisitely teasing, and very arousing, to blood drawing, scratching, which can be incredibly teasing and totally arousing. (laughs) Depends where your pain threshold is, doesn't it, really? You know. Bastinado? Bastinado, the beating on the bottom of the feet. Yes. Sounds Spanish, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, the Spanish Inquisition, maybe they invented it. Uh, humiliation. Humiliation, yes. Not to be confused with just being rude and horrible to someone. You know, in order to humiliate someone, you've got to find out what makes them cringe and squirm and maybe makes their cock twitch. You know, for some people, it's it's different things. You know, you could tell somebody to go and stand in the middle of the road, pull their trousers down and part their buttock cheeks, and they'd be like, no. But some people would go, yeah, all right. Yeah, if you said to um, and the same guy, right, all of my girlfriends are all sat here, you ought to dance for us. That would probably 
get most guys. No. <laughs> so how would you find out what? Well, you would ask them, you know, and there's there's lots of ways of asking people how to, you know, what what makes them humiliated. Um, if you wanted to remain in a position of dominance whilst asking somebody what they liked, you would command them like it's a request that they need to tell you. They have a specific time that they need to tell you by. They need a specific number of humiliations that they need to inform you of. It's the manner with which you you know, you know ask somebody that can be also dominant, but also get the information that you want to get. But I guess uh, to a certain extent, it depends on the person. It depends on the person. You could ask really them. Really going there. Yeah. You could be having a sexy talk with them and go, oh, that sounds so humiliating. Tell me more. So there's lots of ways of getting information out of people. But yeah, the main way is to ask them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, financial domination. Financial domination is just about getting small financial tributes and innumerable gifts from guys. For what in return? Nothing. Nothing. For them to feel like there's somebody yeah. I mean, for girls in particular, this is what I teach at my mistress workshop, that sometimes you'll be sat at a bar and the barman will come over and he'll go, oh, the man at the end has sent you the drinks. And you think, why? Why has he done that? I mean, he's not come over. He's probably he just gives you a little wave and you think, why has he bought me drinks? It's about it's about him and what he needs to feel. A state of not being insignificant <laughs> in life. And is there something then about uh, the woman not feeling like she needs to give something in return? Oh, absolutely. I mean, financial domination isn't about giving anything in return. I, I liken it to when you were at school and there would be the very pretty girl in your class who always sat at the front and immaculate clothes and beautiful hair, stunning gorgeous shiny shoes and all the boys every single one of them in the class whether anybody knew it or not loved her they all loved her but they were all insignificant she wouldn't have even noticed them now those insignificant boys can have a little bit of significance in life by sending you a gift of course that might be simplifying it that might be just one angle on it but that's kind of my angle on it and that's what you're asking for I next asked Miss Kim about her boundaries in her work and what are the activities that she did not want to engage in with clients. I don't want to have sexual intercourse um, with a client. Um, I will not show them my body parts. They cannot drink from the furry carp. <laughs> they can have what comes out. <laughs> uh, in terms of water sports? In terms of water sports, yes, but they're not going to get their mouth near it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so lots of, you know, things like that. Things I'm not terribly good at spitting. Um, a quick one, you know, but a big gob. No, it's not me. Um, yeah, so a few of those icky things I'm not that keen on. <laughs> so there's some things that are icky for you. There are some things that are icky for me. You know, I, I do anal play, but I have to be convinced that everything's nice and clean. There's nothing up there. That so they have prepared before. They have prepared or I prepare them. Right. So okay. I do administer enemas and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm prepared to um, give them the extra time for that to happen rather than take that out of session time mm. because I want to be 
doubly sure everything is going to smell of roses. <laughs> <laughs> so when you work with your clients, what, what is it that you get out of it? Oh, sense of achievement, satisfaction, doing a good job. Um, I like the intricacies of BDSM sometimes. I like predicament bondage where somebody has to be holding their hand up there and if they start to let their hand come down, their arm come down, it's pulling on their cock. So, uh, you know, or maybe their legs there and... Uh, their legs up in the air um, and if they let their leg down it's pulling at their balls so I like like the mad scientist you know or everything all connected you know I, I, I take great pride in trying to work out each client's individual needs and I know that's sometimes what other mistresses don't find interesting at all you see I'm more of a service top I like to give a good service while being on top. I'm not an alpha female. An alpha female would do it her way, and that's the way you would get it her whether, way. Whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. Uh, but for you, you're saying a service top is somebody that... I like to do a good, good job. I get a tremendous sense of satisfaction out of, at the end of the session, them going, wow, that was amazing. That's the best ever. Yeah. That I feel, and and also, you know, I don't do a big long questionnaire either. So, you know, after many many years, I kind of think I can put guys into categories, probably, you know, rightly or wrongly. But I kind of work people out just on them saying very little, you know. I mean, a little bit like I don't really want a long questionnaire, but I also need some feedback from the guys. You know, I had a guy last night and I would have just liked a little bit more from him in terms of, oh, God, that's good. So what is it that first appealed to you about BDSM work? Oh, gosh, um, I probably found the fetish scene first, so the clubbing scene. So it probably started with that because before I ever knew what BDSM was, I found myself at the very first fetish club 30 years ago. and Here in London? Here in London, in King's Cross, a club called Submission, uh, the stuff of legends. And uh, yeah, that was that was the start of my journey. Six years later, I started my, only cl uh, my own club. But prior to becoming a pro-dom, I mean, way back in that time period, pre-mobile phones and pre-internet, I worked in a couple of dungeons as the receptionist, which was then affectionately known as maiding. Yes, that was the maid. So but what is it that drew you to that world in the first place? Just being immersed in the fetish scene and in the clubbing scene, kind of, it kind of, they all go in hand in hand, you know, fetish and BDSM. So kind of the more people I'd find with fetishisms, the more people I'd find with a love of BDSM. Whilst they don't have to fit together at all, they do cross over in quite big ways. You know, I, I do have clients now that are fetishists. When I was in Scotland a couple of weeks ago, I had a session with a guy who was definitely a rubber fetishist. He liked dressing up. He liked the high heels. He liked the stockings. He liked the objectification of being my stool. You know, he, he, he fetishized the clothes that he was wearing. Mm. So, so when a man gets off on being an object for you, like a stool... Mm -hmm. 
What is that like for you? I think in that particular context, it was great because he looked great. He had a rubber dress on, rubber stockings, high heels, a maid's outfit, a rubber maid's outfit. So in that context, ultimately, my fetish, I'm a fetishist more than a BDSMer. I love the inanimate object, leather, rubber, PVC, um, stockings, high heels, thigh boots. But tell me about that. When you say you love that, what is that? I love the look of it. I love the feeling of it when I'm wearing it. I love to look at other people in it. I love fetish imagery um, behind that curtain. There's just a massive array of books of fetish images. Yeah, it's just a, it's kind of a look. Mm. But when you, you say you love, does that some is it arousing to you or is it? Yes, in in and it's arousing to me, but in a mental arousal rather than a oh my genitals have just twinged. Mm. Not really like you know if I was a man I'd have a hard on. Although lots of men get hard on at the sight of a pair of thigh boots mm. or you know a lady in a tight rubber dress so but for you it's you're saying it's a mental arousal it's a mental arousal it's excitement but doesn't have to generate to the genitals mm. so when you say a mental arousal it's like what what is what is happening in your mind when you see I, i'm getting excited you know just the thought of all the books behind there and potentially showing you some of the images that i love um is like ooh i'm going to show him after We've done the interview because that's what I really love to do. So, so sessions that inv involve fetishisms, I, I particularly like. But I do like lots of other things as well. So, I don't, I don't, I don't want to sound like a one-trick pony because I hate. Because <laughs> <laughs> the way you're saying you, you keep on repeating you love it. There's something about you almost becoming more alive, more animated. More yeah, anim it, it, it's exciting to me. The funny thing about it is that I had a girlfriend here on Sunday who wanted me to take some pictures of her. I'm not a photographer. I got some, we got some quite good pictures. And I get excited by creating those images. You know, she brought her shoe and boot collection. So we focused on that area, legs, feet, shoes. But it was like, ooh, what pair have you got next? And it was just creating those images and putting those looks together that was ultimately really excited. And I'm like... Oh, I want a camera now, like a proper camera. <laughs> so, so would you consider th that a sexual experience for you? Um, that type of excite mental excitement. I. Uh, um, but what do you mean by sexual experience? I mean, you know, it's very difficult to see where men are aroused. <laughs> you know, are you aroused? I've got a hard penis. That'll be yes. <laughs> mm. Although, you know, older men, when they can't get it up are still aroused in their mind. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm aroused in my mind, but not necessarily twinging down there. But So when you were taking pictures of these shoes and boots... Uh, I was excited about doing it. And But was that for you something erotic or something sexual, that, uh, that activity? I don't know if the word erotic would spring to mind. I mean, it was my girlfriend. I mean... As in a friend. <laughs> I don't get sexually aroused by females. And I don't get s 
sexually aroused by footwear on its own. But I was excited about doing the photo shoot and it was excited about creating imagery. And, you know, if she'd have put a pair of flat shoes on and gone, oh, these little ballet pumps are nice, aren't they? I'd have gone, oh, God, no. Go and put something else on. <laughs> and when you are working, do you, ha- do you take on a certain persona or a certain role? It's funny because I was just watching a, a video of a friend of mine, um, and she was who was also who was also a dominatrix. She died last year. Talking about um, how she did a double dom session with a girlfriend, and when the girlfriend arrived in the session, she said she completely changed her character. And she says, I thought, how weird is that? Because I don't change my character at all. Well, I do change characters. But I work out what that guy potentially wants, mm. the sort of persona that is relevant to the session. So, you know, if I'm playing sensual games, which is involves sort of uh, sensory, like touch, feel, smell, sound, then I would be much more sexy, quiet, considered, deliberate than if somebody wanted extreme pain and wanted me to be a fucking bitch. Yeah. So I do change my character. Um, she didn't because she had the most amazing, strong character in the first place. You know, she was a formidable woman that wouldn't need to do anything. She was just like, oh, my God, amazing. So when you change your character... To what extent do you think that is still you being a dom? Because to a certain extent, could it be argued that it is your clients who are setting the pace and the the style and the tone of the yeah, session? it could be argued that, yeah. But I don't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. I'm not an alpha female. Uh-huh. So, so, this <laughs> so is I don't worry about things like that. Uh-huh. But then... Um, when, if you were to call yourself a professional dominatrix or a, a, a femdom, would it, a different kind of name be more... You mean, how would a guy know whether he was getting a service top or an alpha female? You know, you look at somebody's website, mm. usually the information's on there. Mm. You know, um, I don't think one is any better than the other. We're, you know, we're all different and we all have to offer something different in order to be relevant to the type of guy that's looking for me. <laughs> so, but but yeah, I mean, we're all very, very different. Do you ever get off on being submissive? I've never been submissive. Okay. So not even in your personal life? No, not in any way. I d- it's not something that is in me. It's it's not something I look down upon people for. If this takes a lot of strength to be submissive. Um, but it's just not me, personally. Yeah. But is there something that an alpha dom would do that you feel you wouldn't do? Are there certain um, services that you kind of think, hmm? No, I don't think in terms of services, you know... Um, I, probably an alpha dom would not, would not let the client dictate what he wanted, necessarily. Although some would give way to a certain extent. But, um, you know, I have no problem with, cons- you know, obviously if it's delivered in the right way, 
you know, if somebody says to me, oh, don't do that, I don't like it, then it's like, excuse me, <laughs> you need to ask me in the correct manner if you'd like to slow things down or perhaps stop. <laughs> but um, I don't have any problem going, oh, this is that's not working for me, mistress. Can we can we try something else? And then, yes, we can try something else. It's not a problem. So, so what is it like for you? So this is what you do professionally and you, you run your workshops um, and you see your clients. But when you're out and about socially in public, to what extent does this aspect of your life influence <laughs> and play into how you interact with men socially? Nobody would ever know. I think it's harder for alpha females to keep that part of them suppressed because that's the very essence of who they are. And I'm sure they find themselves telling off the cab driver, you've gone the wrong way, you know. But... Um, yeah, you'd never know. Do you feel that your professional life does affect your personal life in any way? Um, I don't. Um, I think if I was interested in having a relationship with a guy, then that might be a factor. Unless I wanted a relationship with a submissive guy, then I don't think that'd be a factor at all. Um, but I think if I was in that position where I was, you know, out in the vanilla world, met somebody, and then I told them that I was a dominatrix, I'm sure a large percentage would have a problem with that. Mm. I am being sexual with guys on a daily basis whilst not having sex with them. Mm. And most vanilla guys would have a problem with that, mm. in my estimation. But it doesn't matter because I'm not in the market. As you mentioned, you don't have sex with you. You don't have um, penetration, genital penetration or any other type of penetration which involves your genitals or your or your mouth um, with your clients. Mm -hmm. So to what extent do you feel that what you do with your clients is a sexual act? I touch their penis. Okay. And that's quite sexual, isn't it? Um, I, I would agree most people would say yes. To various forms of manipulation, it gets touched. And their balls, and their nipples, and they're liking it. Whilst it might not do anything for me whatsoever, they like it. <laughs> but let's go to the example of, you said, uh, with humiliation, um, you'd send a man into the street or onto the pavement to kind of pull well, the pants down. Well, I wouldn't, down. but yes. <laughs> um, but let's say that, would that be a sexual act? Um, if they found it arousing. So if somebody, because um, humiliation, humiliation is linked to arousal. Mm. So something that somebody finds, um, in fact, that's how you'd find out the information very often. You know, uh, I need you to tell me the most humiliating thing that you can think of. You know, the sort of humiliation that makes your cock twinge. Mm. Would you like to share something with me? So th your clients would get aroused. Yeah. Um, you often might not get aroused. Mm -hmm. Would that be considered sex for you? In the broader terms? I don't personally consider that I've had sex with someone. They might potentially consider that they've had sex with me. And the whole world will say that I've had uh, a form of sex. Uh, I'm considered a sex worker. Mm. Strangely, I don't think of myself as a sex worker because I've not had sex with them. And when you say sex, you mean intercourse? 
or I've got off. So there's, do you ne do you never feel like you get off in any of your sessions? Rare occasions, mm. yeah. But it's not about me getting off; it's about them getting off. Mm. Me doing a good job doesn't get me off. No, I mean if I baked a cake and I thought oh, I've done a really good job of that cake, it looks great. <laughs> I wouldn't go, oh yeah, and I feel fucking horny as well. No, I, you know, just a sense of doing a good job doesn't make you horny. Okay. <laughs> Given how Miss Kim experienced her sexuality in her work, I was curious to find out in what other ways she experienced being sexual. So some of the times I feel sexual is when I'm dressed up. Mm. I'm going to uh, Brighton next weekend to Club Spank. So it's a fetish club and I'm the host mistress there. When I uh, am getting ready to, to go then I will be getting very excited because I'll be putting on clothes that I really love and really like wearing and I'll look at myself and I'll go, damn, you look good. So, yeah, that'll be excitement and that'll be, uh, you know, I won't have put my pyjamas on and go, oh, they're really cosy and lovely and warm and I'm like looking hot. No, <laughs> no, it's the fetish clothes that I will look at myself in and go, yeah, you look hot, you look great, really sexy, gorgeous. Because I will. So what would you say you've learned from your work about sexuality? Uh, that we're all extremely dif different, absolutely. And um, when I conduct my mistress workshop, I first off start by telling the ladies all of the different types of mistresses. And then I'll get onto the section where I explain all the different types of men. And there are way more different types of men with their wants and needs than there are women with their wants and needs. Guys can usually think of so many different perverse things that they like, that they would like to request, that they would like to enjoy, than women. And, and what have you learned from your work about power dynamics? Uh, that there are a lot of submissive men out there more than you could ever dream of. And even the high-powered businessman who runs the company could be submissive. Mm. Yeah, sexually submissive. Mm. And in your um, workshops, what is it that you feel you are teaching? Uh, mainly motivation. I don't really teach technique. I, I do little workshops on different techniques. But mainly I teach motivation. I feel like I get the ladies to a point where they're so excited with all of this knowledge, with all of these ideas, with all of these endless possibilities of how they could be, act, look, feel, play with, that they just want to go out there and do it. Mm. You know, usually I say to them at the beginning, I go, if you've got any questions, just write them down at the end. I'll ask you if you've got... Because my main aim is to cover every aspect in the broadest sense, obviously, not to the finite detail. But at the end, and I go, right, any questions? And everybody sits there, their head full of so much information that they go, <gasps> not a single question. But mo mainly, they go away going, oh, God, I can't wait to start, can't wait to start. And that's really the main thing. Because, you see, we don't have a barometer that rises up. We need to get cerebral about our excitement, yeah? So I motivate, yeah? I get them to the point where they're excited about the 
possibility of what play could be like. You know, I'm I'm very much like, here's all of the endless possibilities. What would you like to do? And that's not just in a session, but that's in also teaching ladies how to be dominant as well. You know, that's kind of how I do things, you know. It's a very broad subject. It's much broader than sex, isn't it? There's so much more to it than, yeah. than sex. Which I guess is the purpose of this whole podcast, is to show that being sexual is far more than yeah. what we are conditioned to believe. So much it. more than fucking, darling. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think we've come to the end. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure entirely. Do come back <laughs> anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Great, thank you so much. <laughs> and with that, we've come to the end of this episode. Thank you very much for listening. You can follow Miss Kim on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Kim Rub, and you can find out more about her services on www.misskimrub.com. If you have any comments or questions for me, you can email me on thisripefruit at gmail.com and you can follow this podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Miss Ripe Fruit. <laughs>